0: say
1: Well, amen. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Welcome to Airline Baptist Church, and as we prepare to go into this Christmas season, my my hope and my prayer for you is this, that we would worship the King who came to dwell on the earth with us. So let us worship that king today. If this is your first time here, we are so excited that you're here with us. We'd love to connect with you. Um, There should be a card somewhere in the seat around you. We have a gift for you. If you're first time here, we'd love for you to have that connect with you after worship. But again, so excited that you're here. And in just a moment, we're going to take up our tithes and our offerings. And just to remind us, church, we don't exist to build the name of Airline. That's not why we're here on this hill. We exist for the kingdom of God. That is why we exist. And that's why we give. And so this season, as we give, let us give towards that end and towards that mission. Let's pray together. Father God, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. God, thank you for just another opportunity we have to corporately worship you. And so God, would you be here with us? Would you guide us, direct us? God, let everything that we say and do be for your glory and honor. So, God, we pray for this offering. Would you use it? And, God, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand as we worship.
2: It's dark, the world lies in sin and error pining. The shadows are conspiring but a light is coming. The Lord has been quiet for four centuries. The prophets are gone. There are no signs to see, it's silent. But let me tell you something. A voice is coming. The patriarchs are long dead. The judges were traded for a bunch of crowned heads. This monarchy, though, consistently failed and misled. No system is working, but there's a new king coming man's dead in religion, legalism reigns, ceremonial acts which are just simply profane. The law is not working, but a new covenant is coming. The people are defiling, the rituals God is despising, even the priests are compromising and the sin offerings they're worthless sacrificing oh but get ready because a lamb is coming the temple is a den of thieves a brood of vipers are the pharisees same too for the sadducees they don't even know there's a new high priest coming The nations are suffering, evil is chuckling, and the faithful are left wondering, does God even care? Oh, let me tell you something, Emmanuel is coming. God's people desire a glorious king. The world is yearning for eternity, a perfect sacrifice each soul desperately needs. It's a silent night, but hope is in sight. A most precious gift God is bestowing. The Bethlehem star begins glowing. Let the good news start growing. A baby is coming.
1: Amen. A baby is coming, or rather a baby has come, which is the reason we celebrate. And so as we begin to focus in just for the next few weeks on the greatest story ever told. The greatest story ever told. And I'll be honest, just as a pastor, I I love the Christmas season that we've set aside these, these weeks to really focus in on and lock in on one of the greatest events that's ever happened in the history of mankind, the incarnation of the Son of God, robing himself in flesh and coming to the earth. But just on an aside, while I love celebrating that, just to be honest, as a pastor, it's, it's difficult to preach because how many Christmas messages does a pastor actually have? Okay, we're, we've all heard these texts before. We've grown up with these texts. I'm not preaching a text that you may have never read before. We, we've heard these texts. We've grown up with these texts. We know about what's going on here. And so my my aim really as a pastor is is not to preach you anything new. And just on a side note, if you ever hear someone preach a message or give a biblical interpretation that no one's ever heard of before, it's probably not a good one, okay? Um, So my aim is not to really tell you anything new, But just over the next few weeks, I want us to focus in on the simple truths that are in this story, the greatest story that's ever been told. So we're going to be looking today at Luke 1, and then next week we'll be in Luke 2. But we're going to look at verses 26 through 38. And so let's... Look at those and then I'll pray and we'll notice a few things. It says in the sixth month the angel Gabriel sent was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary. But he came to her and said, "Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you." And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who is called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let's pray. Father, we come to you. We give you this time. Would you speak to us? And God will give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we zoom in on the Gospel of Luke, the Gospel of Luke is my favorite of the Gospels. You can ask me why later. It's just simply my favorite. But Luke begins his gospel, and he's writing to a person, individual named Theophilus. And he's writing to Theophilus because he wants Theophilus to know what he has heard to be true and certain. And I believe that that extends out to us today. Why does Luke record this for us? Because he wants us to be certain of what we have heard about Jesus, he wants wants us to know that it is true. And so he tells us the narrative first of John the Baptist's birth. And John the Baptist, even his birth in and of itself was miraculous because Elizabeth was in her old age. She was past the years that that could have happened. And yet, God, in His infinite power, brings about John the Baptist, who was the forerunner to Christ. He was the prophet, he was the one who paved the way. But when Gabriel turns his attention to Mary, it's different that he's not just sending another prophet, he's not just sending, by way of Mary, another good teacher. He's sending the one who is the Christ, the Messiah, the one in whom the prophets would speak about, the one in whom the teachers would teach about. Mary's announcement is categorically different. And so Luke is building to this. And so, three things I want us to see this morning as we work through this text. First, I want us to see the proclamation of Jesus' birth. Going back to verse 26, in the sixth month, in the, sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the Virgin's name was Mary. So Luke gives us the context here. So Elizabeth is pregnant and six months into that pregnancy, Gabriel goes to a little backwoods town of Nazareth. Think with me, there's a local town around here. I won't say its name, it starts with G. I didn't say the name, Gainesville, yes. And so this is the setting in which Luke is talking about this small town, backwoods, Nazareth. It says to a virgin betrothed. So there's this couple, they're not even married yet. They're just in the betrothal period. Now this is drastically different than how we think of engagement and marriage today. Today, in our modern context in society, if you want to get, if you like someone and you want to spend the rest of your life with them, then you make that decision. So I decided I wanted to marry Whitney. So we got married. That's how it works today. Back then, it was much more of a family affair. And so in order for me to marry Whitney, it would have been needed to be advantageous for my extended family to have become an extended family with Whitney's family. And so if they found that to be advantageous to both parties, my family would have reached out to Whitney's family to inquire about me marrying Whitney. And once that took place and they found out, yes, Whitney was marryable, marryable, if that's a word—at that point, I would have sent a gift to Whitney's family, they would have accepted the gift, and then we would be betrothed. At that point, we would have been legally married, but we haven't had the wedding ceremony yet. Now, at this point, there's, there's no moving in together. There's no types of intimate relations whatsoever. We're still living in separate locations, but we would be legally betrothed. And the only way out of it, you would have still had to have pursued a divorce, which is why in the Gospel of Matthew, it says Joseph did not seek to put her away, or he did seek to put her away quietly. He was going to pursue that divorce before the angel came and spoke to him. So it would have been a legally binding agreement while her family works on putting the details together on the marriage contract, and my family works on putting the details together on the marriage contract. And once the details are worked out after six months to a year of being betrothed, then I would bring her home with me and the marriage would be finalized and consummated. That's how it would have worked back in Mary's day, in Joseph's day. So for them, they're in that early stage. The gift has been given. They have legally agreed to be married, but they are not married yet. They're in the betrothal stage. So the angel comes, says, and he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now one of the things that's interesting about this text is which comes first, the chicken or the egg? Why did Mary find favor with God? Why does it say this way? O oh, favored one, the Lord is with you. You have found favor with God. And here's what I'd argue is that it has nothing intrinsically to do with Mary. That why is Mary favored? Because she is head and shoulders special above other people? No. Why is Mary favored? Because God is with her. This is why she is favored. It says, O oh, favored one, the Lord is. With you, you found favor with God. So don't be afraid. Even though you're seeing an angel face to face, do not fear. Why? Because you have found favor with God. And he says, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Jesus. I want you to notice the description. He will be great. So you're, you're going to bear a son, you're going to call his name Jesus, and he will be great. Now, that's a great statement in and of itself, but really what's interesting is if we compare this to what's said about John earlier in the chapter. If you were to go back and look at it, it describes John's birth. And it says, and he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. John's greatness is qualified to simply being great in the eyes of the Lord. But Jesus' greatness is not qualified. Jesus' greatness is not placed into a bracket, but rather he is simply great and will be called, the son of the most high. That Jesus is not merely a prophet of God. He is not merely a teacher of God, but he is the son of God. It says, and the Lord will give to him the throne of his father, David. This throne that they've been looking to get back to, as a united nation, this throne of his father David, that the people have been longing for. It says he, God will give him the throne, and notice what he says. He says that he will reign over the house of Jacob forever It says and of his kingdom there will be no end. See we've got to place this in its context. If you go back and you read through the Old Testament, you read through the historical books, it is nothing but turnover and change with the kings. They don't last long. You don't have a high life expectancy as a king of Israel. And yet, when it comes to this king, his kingdom will know no end. So we have this proclamation about Jesus. This is who Jesus is, and this is who Jesus will be. But then we have a number two the problem of Jesus' birth. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? So Gabriel, I hear what you're saying. You're saying I'm going to give birth to a son. And And I hear that. But you see, there's a little problem with that. I haven't done the things that necessitate that happening. You smell it when I'm stepping in. There's a problem, Gabriel. How can that be? How can that be? Here's here's what I I love about this this story. And, And we don't really know Mary's intent behind saying this if she's questioning, or she's being critical, or we we, we just don't know, but she, she raises a valid problem, a valid issue with this, that how can this be? And here's what Mary doesn't realize, what Mary doesn't understand is that the very thing she raises a question about, the very thing that she raises an issue about, what God is calling her to do and what God is asking her to do, that the very thing she raises a question about is the exact reason God is using her. Now let's think about that for just a minute. How often in our life does God call us to do something? Does God ask us to do something? And the very first thing that comes through our mind is a reason why we can't. God, I know you're calling me to do this. God, you are asking me to do this. And here's why I can't. How can I do that? I am just fill in the blank. God, how can I do that? I am far too old. God, how can I do that? I'm far too young. God, how can I do that? I am this. God, how can I do that? I am that. And could it be, brothers and sisters, that the reason God is calling you to do that thing is because he knows the exact reason for that, that you say you're too old, and maybe that's the reason God is calling you to do that. You say you're too young, and that's the reason God is calling you to do that. Whatever the excuse is, what if that's the exact reason God is calling you to do it? Because we see this all throughout the Bible, that God uses the last people we would expect him to use. Right? that maybe you doing the thing God is calling you to do is for that very reason. Now God's not calling any of us to give birth to the next Messiah, okay? So let's not place ourselves in Mary's shoes in that regard. I believe God is calling all of us to something there's something that God has gifted you and has called you into, is leading you towards. And yet you're sitting there going, I can't do it because fill in the blank. And yet maybe that's the very reason God is calling you to that. So Mary has a problem. Mary understands what Gabriel is saying, but there's a problem from, what, from her perspective on what Gabriel has done or has said. So we see the proclamation, the problem, but then lastly, we see the promise of Jesus' birth. And the angel answered her. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow, overshadow you Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the son of God. See Mary, your perspective on this doesn't consider that God is God. Your perspective on this problem that you have raised does not factor in God being God. That your perspective on the problem is rather finite and small. But God is God. So he says, here's how it's going to happen. The Holy Spirit's going to be at work. And the Holy Spirit's just going to simply overshadow you. And then he says this, therefore the child to be born will be called Holy the son of god you see there had to be something unique about the birth of christ there had to be something special about the birth of christ in order for him to be set aside and holy that he had to come not through the seed of adam he had to come through the woman He says, and behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. It is in the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. He says, "You, you think this is an issue? He's already worked something in Elizabeth's life. He goes, now look at Elizabeth. Look at how I have worked, and look at how God has worked in her life. That nothing is impossible with God. He says, and Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So what does Mary do? There's no more questions to be had. There's no more problems to be raised. Surely there was some details and logistics that were going to have to be worked out. But Mary hears the promise of God. She just simply trusts God's promise. She trusts what God has said and what God has spoken she simply says, so be it. Now, as we think about this, this morning, we see the proclamation of Jesus' birth, the problem of Jesus' birth, and the promise of Jesus' birth. Is this, this brings us to our central idea today. It's this, the greatest story ever told Had an unlikely message. The greatest story ever told had an unlikely message. Now, yes, there were social, political, cultural things that made an unlikely message. Like, you mean to say (coughs) that God is sending a king? and God is going to send a king through the backwoods of Nazareth. You mean to say God is sending a king and he's going to send a king through Mary and Joseph? God's going to send a king through this couple, this broke carpenter and this borderline servant slave girl of Mary? You mean to say God is going to send a king through that? That's an unlikely message. That's not how we think a king should enter into the world. That a king is supposed to be born into a palace. A king is supposed to be born with a place of silver spoon in his mouth. That's an unlikely message. But you know what I believe makes this an even more unlikely message? Not just that stuff, but we have to place ourselves in their shoes. That it has been 400 years since the prophets have spoken. It's been four centuries since anyone's heard from God. So the question had to be ringing in their ears, has God forgotten? like we got back from exile, we rebuilt, we did all of those things, and God goes silent. And now all of a sudden, here we are, and Rome has taken over. Has God forgotten? Has God forgotten? And all of a sudden, out of the backwoods of Galilee comes a rumor that God has not forgotten. That's the unlikely message. They hadn't heard from God and then all of a sudden message comes that God has remembered. And he's at work you see, as the band comes back to the stage, we've got to place ourselves in the broad picture of what's happening in scripture. There's we've, if your life group is on the same material, we are, we're starting Genesis and all the way over here, things are good in chapters one and two, but then what happens? The fall takes place in chapter three. But even in the midst of the fall, what is promised, that God looks at the serpent and said that there is coming one by the way of the woman, and that you will bruise his heel, but he will crush your head. The promise is given all the way back in Genesis 3. What happens? A new generation arises. They haven't crushed the serpent's head yet. A new generation arises. They haven't crushed the serpent's head yet. They're still dealing with the fall. A generation after generation after generation after generation comes and goes and the serpent is not dealt with. And we get all the way over here, generations down the line. Does God remember? what he said back there and out of Nazareth comes, yes. I have not forgotten that's the unlikely message. That God, has remembered in spite of everything that happened between here and there. All of the sin, all of the failure, everything that took place between there and here, God had not forgotten. So as we close, we think about this King that Jesus has come for us. He's come in spite of us. He's come for us. So as we close, I just wanna ask you if that's the king that you worship today you see, the, the beauty of this is that this whole month we're celebrating Christmas because it is the greatest story that's ever been told. You see, because every other story ever created by man having to do with God says, here's the steps for us to get to God. Here's the steps for us to climb the mountain was the incarnation, it's the steps of how God came to you. It's the steps of how God came down the mountain for you and for me. That's why we worship this Christmas season. We don't worship because we, don't get me wrong, I love the the decorations and all that, but Sue, you did a great job. We don't worship just because we like to put up Christmas decorations. We worship because the king has come. So let us worship that king today. If you need to pray, we'll be down here. If you need somebody to pray with, I'll be standing over here. Clint will be standing over here to this side. We'd love to spend some time and pray with you if you need to. Let's respond today. I don't really have a challenge for you. I don't really have a question for you. My question is, will we worship that King who has come? That's my question for us today. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you, we praise you. Thank you for the opportunity to break open your word and celebrate the incarnation of Christ. So God, would you speak to us today? Show our hearts and our minds to you and we'll give you all the glory in Jesus name amen let's stand as we respond today
3: You're gone
1: Seated again, thank you so much for being here today. Um, just want to give you a couple quick announcements, and so we've got several things going on. Um, this immediately following worship this morning, we'll have deacons' meeting. We decided just to have that in the conference room back there, um, and so we do have some snacks for you. Um, and so, after we finish up in here, deacons will make our way to the conference room for um, deacons' meeting. Because this afternoon we got several different things going on, um, especially we have Ernie Haas and Signature Sound that will be here. Um, and so just encourage you to come be a part tonight. Um, and so if your doors will open at five and then the concert starts at six. And so we, we do need some folks if you're interested and willing to help out. Um, I know it's going to be raining, so some folks to help get people in and out. Um, direct in the parking lot and around the facility, we'd love for you to be here to help be a part of that, and so that's doors open at 5 and then concert starts at Six. And then as well, next Sunday, um, next Sunday evening, we're going to be having our children's presentation, um, A Not So Silent Night. And so, again, I encourage you to be back. If you're picking up your kids, um, Ashley wants you to see for just a few minutes um, once we dismiss. And so, just to give you some more information about next weekend and in preparation for that children's musical. Amen. Amen. All right. So before we dismiss, we have a couple items of business to take care of. So I'm going to turn it over
0: to Mike to get that started. Amen. All right. Sit tight. Just take just a short moment. I promise you, we have a couple of uh, items we need to take care of. Special call conference for two purposes. One for the uh, budget, and uh, then the preacher will bring something else up to you regarding our, our deacon election. But first of all, budget. About two weeks ago, we gave you all a proposal for 2024. You had an opportunity to look that over and uh, ask questions. And uh, I think some questions were answered, but uh, all that should be handled behind. So right now I'm going to entertain a motion that we receive and adopt the 2024 uh, budget proposal as it was submitted. Have a move second. All in favor, let's do this. All in favor of supporting 2024 budget, would you stand? If you can, please stand. Amen. All right, that's good. Anybody opposed? Amen. That's super. So she passes, and we appreciate that so much. God will bless. God will bless. And now I'll turn it back over to the pastor. Amen. So. As you remember, several months ago, we started
1: the deacon nomination process for 2024. Uh, we have three active deacons who are rotating off of active ministry into inactive ministry. And so we had three spots that needed to be filled. And at the end of the nomination process, we had 11 names that were nominated, um, which was a joy to me. And I got to spend time with each of, each of these men. Um, and so for a variety of de- different reasons and directions um, and what God was, was leading them to do in areas of service. At the end of the day, we had three men who agreed to come on to active deacon ministry for those three positions. And those three men are um, Brent Wiley and then Scott Puckett and then Rick Little. And so y'all all know these 3 they have been 3 men who have been ordained here at Airline and have served on active deacon ministry before and so we really don't have to take a vote on that since there's three names for three spots. Um, but just as a church, we still want to affirm that. So if you affirm those three men stepping back into um, active deacon ministry, we just let us know by just putting your hands together. Um, let them know that you're Christian. Amen. Um, well, that being said, I'm going to get, we need to in The time of business, so I'll turn it back over to Mike to end it. All right, I'll a motion to adjourn. <coughs> go 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 Amen. <laughs> Amen.
0: Sometime during the service, I send a message to two or three guys. I, we got uh, you know, quartets, I think they're here. I hope they're here. Uh, need uh, no? Okay, never mind. <laughs>
1: they are not here yet.
0: Never
1: mind. Never All, mind. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Well, let me pray for us and we'll be dismissed. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for today. God, thank you for the opportunity to worship you and to make much of you. And God, we pray you would be with us today. I know we have a lot of things going on, but God, would you be honored and glorified by everything that is said and done. We love you. We praise you. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.